Don't you forget about Batman Returns. Don't, don't you forget about Christopher Walken and Batman Returns. Dun, dun, dun. Don't you. Bam, 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 bam. Don't, don't, don't you. Bam, 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 bam. Forget about Batman Returns. Bam, bam. Hello and welcome to episode two of Movie Reviews Rising. And I'm your host, Cecil. And I want to get into this. I had to put a bunch of movies on the side that are just too boring or I just gave up on. And then some movies you watch and you're like, well, I wouldn't talk about it. That's not a good movie. Why talk about it? So, you know, I don't have as many movies as I would like to have this week, unfortunately. But, you know, I think that's probably because of the first thing I'm going to talk about, which is The Night Manager, which is a TV show from 2016. And I don't normally watch TV like these days. You know, I've caught a couple of those seasons of Game of Thrones, and I know this is, you know, heartbreaking to to some people to hear. But, I mean, TV's not my thing, and I don't stick with the week-to-week you know, water-cooler discussions about who died and what's going on and all that stuff. And I want to get to this later, but if you see the title of this episode, you probably know I'm going to cover like Justice League later. And I've been roped into this soap opera anyway, and I feel like I have to see some of these movies. We all do, unfortunately, at one stage or another, whether you see it in the theater or not. It's like inevitable. There's this chunk of the Marvel story. There's this history they're trying to do and and all this stuff. So... I've been roped into this like water cooler thing that happens over the course of like a year or two years of movies being developed or that how they release these things. You know, I mentioned Doctor Strange in the previous episode. That was a big deal to me because I always wanted to see, you know, a comic book about Doctor, I mean, a comic book film, a good one about Doctor Strange. So that finally happened. That was cool. I think that's how some people felt about Wonder Woman, which is great. Good. Wonder Woman's a cool movie. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to keep that in the latter half with the spoilers. I am terrible with spoilers because everything movies these days is spoilers. That's why I'm going to put Blade Runner in that section because it's like, what am I going to talk about? How do I talk about it? How can I criticize any aspect of the story that is completely spoilery for all time? You know, uh, what the heck? So we'll get to that. Starting off with The Night Manager. Made an exception on TV. Cool. Watching The Night Manager. It's got Tom Hiddleston. I'm going to get to him later. Thor. Uh, Night Manager is pretty cool. Like, it has a great look to it. Uh, This thing costs $30 million. (laughs) And uh, it's based on a John le spy novel. Um, This was released by this company, The Ink Factory. They're working on another miniseries for 2018, apparently called spy who came in from the cold which would be a great i'd like to see another version of that i like the original with uh richard burton and they also did a most wanted man with philip seymour hoffman ink factory so these guys are pretty cool you know they like their spy stuff i like some spy stuff and i watched this and hugh laurie's in this is the like the villainy kind of dude the antagonist to what's his face tom i just said his name hiddleston and uh, yeah um 
Hugh Laurie, he's not even in it till like, you know, you waiting and waiting. And it's like the pacing. Every episode is an hour. You kind of get into this rhythm. There's only six episodes, which is totally awesome. I bought this thing like a year ago. I've been waiting to watch it. And Hugh Laurie comes on and he's doing the guy who plays Alfred now. Oh, Jeremy Irons. I didn't know because Hugh Laurie plays Dr. House on TV. Not that I watch a lot of TV or I'm too familiar with that show, but he does not speak with his accent on the show house, which is fine. Uh, but in this movie, you know, having not heard that accent, his real accent before and hearing him do this Jeremy Irons thing to me, like the whole time, it also kind of kept me hooked into the show. Cause I just kept picturing him as Jeremy Irons as this villain, which would be, I think a little bit, it would be pretty cool. Sometimes this is a little farcical. I want to say he's the poor man's Jeremy Irons, you know, uh, but, but but I think his voice is really like that. But I mean, you know, he plays that like weasel that Jeremy Irons is really good at playing. And his dialogue is is great because it's just like so menacing and everything he says is, you know, lofty and like, I'm not going to do it. I don't have any dialogue prepared <laughs> for Jeremy Irons imitations, but that's what this whole show is. So if you want six hours of Hugh Laurie doing Jeremy Irons and, and you don't mind Tom Hiddleston, there could have been a little you know other elements nothing is too surprising about this you know female the uh lead in this is oh well there is a, a police woman character who's pretty strong but other than that it's not too surprising and those are like the three leads and it's like a th three person movie uh but then i have to mention tom hollander as a sidekick bad guy to hugh laurie tom hollander's <laughs> He's like a henchman, right? Classic henchman. And he is like the villain in Hannah. If you saw the movie Hannah, the the male villain, I thought he did a he, he did a really great job in Hannah. He does a good job in the most, uh, not in the most one, in The Night Manager. So this show, 2016. Yeah, uh, nice expensive movie. I want to start talking a little bit about budgets of things because I've never been good at budgets. And I'm like, while I'm talking about these movies and bringing them up, I'm like, why don't we, why don't we look into that? All right. And that would be the night manager. I saw a little movie, picked this one up at a clearance sale. Uh, I'm going to get to next. I guess I'll give you a score for night manager because I happen to have it. So it's going to be three out of five stars. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I love Charlie Chaplin, but it's a bit depressing to invoke his name every time I rate a movie. So I'm going to say <laughs> three out of five for uh night manager that feels a little high it's probably like a two and a half uh visually i really like the money they spent on this movie and like the international kind of like intrigue james bond wannabe stuff so it was like i give it a seven they kept saying cairo uh the visuals were nice i would i if i yeah pretty good for tv right i don't know and i'm not a big tv guy um i have to know now because i'm curious about who Who's the cinematographer on The Night Manager? I don't know why I care, but it's like I have it right here. Let's look at the cinematographer. Michael Snyman. Maybe I was impressed by the editing. Who knows? Um, yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> Jack and Diane is the movie that I picked up. It's from 2012 from a clearance rack. And I was like, what is this? It's got uh, animation by the brothers Quay, who do some pretty cool animations. If you've seen any of that stuff, 
if you haven't seen any of that stuff, I don't really know what else to compare it to, but it's like, you know, when you watch a tool video or something, something like that. And, um, this is a cool movie, except it did not at all deliver on any of the horror. So you might catch the, this is a movie. I don't even know where people would find this, but it is definitely a romance. It's like a little indie romance and it stars Juno Temple and Riley Keough. And they're really great in this. And Riley Keough is especially super cool in this movie. And it plays like a really good punkish kind of um it is a lesbian romance and it is I don't think it's a waste of time. I thought it was pretty good. But it's not better than that. It's not more than it's not it could be more. Yeah, just uh it kind of leaves you with an impression and it's a pleasant impression there's a couple of gory little bits of gross of gross stuff there's one uh plot line about um porn which which is pretty gross (laughs) and kind of hard to watch really hard to watch you know um just because it it, poor juno temple so if, if that you know it's a bit iffy but this is a movie that does get into the grossness and and like tries to be real and it has that attitude about it. So it's definitely a movie with an attitude. It's from 2012. It would fit in with the 90s, I think. <laughs> and um, this is funny. The opening weekend, right? It got $294. It opened on two screens in November 2012. It grossed $1,041 and $294. It just, that's such a low, you know, that's super indie. And, um, I don't know, I had a lot of fun with Jack and Diane. I don't really want to give anything away or talk much about it, but, um, I, you know, except to praise Juno Temple, you recognize, but Riley Keough is somebody who I guess I have overlooked. She works with Steven Soderbergh a lot and she seems to be really freaking talented. I, I liked, um, Steven Soderbergh's last movie, Logan Lucky. She was in that, um, she was in Fury Road. She was in American Honey. I need to see that. And uh, she was in It Comes at Night. Um, she's good. And that's Jack and Diane, right? Um, three out of five, that is way too high. And visuals a seven, audio seven, because it has that cool soundtrack. So it's worth noting. Cool-ish soundtrack. Could have been better, too. It's one of those things where it's promising more than it can deliver. So, next movie I want to talk about. This is more on the film history side of things. It's uh, Harper from 1966, starring Paul Newman, directed by Jack Smite, uh, based on a book by Ross MacDonald and a screenplay by William Goldman. And William Goldman is just so, such a the best writer. He wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, The Princess Bride. And then if I recommend to everybody read Adventures in the Screen Trade, it's such a great um, biography about a guy working in movies. But this guy has such a good sense of rhythm. It the the book copy I had has a whole whole um, copy of the screenplay for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is really great to read. Jack Smite, the director, he also directed Airport, nineteen seventy five, Damnation Alley, Midway. Hmm. I, I had not met, I had not recognized his name, Jack Smite, so I was looking into that. He did some Hitchcock Hour stuff. 
probably a very decent director. And uh, Harper was really cool. Harper, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna build this as Paul Newman and True Detective is what Harper is. Like it has super good dialogue. It has this weird like I don't even know like cult temple at one point, um, and some weird, just cool you know Holly, uh, L.A. Um, who can you trust kind of thing hard boiled really good cast it has um uh, Lauren Bacall in it and uh, it has some other people I don't recognize who did a really great job Dwight Troy Robert Wagner Shelley Winters is in this. Janet Lee. Arthur Hill. Struther Martin. I wanted to look this up. Robert Wagner was really good in Harper. Like, he played a really great role. I don't want to give it away. He does impressions and stuff. The dialogue in this is hilarious. Like, um, they get things wrong, you know, one of these heavies is beating up Paul Newman, and he's like, you ever hear, hear, you kill the body, and the head dives, you ever hear that, you know, weird things like that, uh, Paul Newman tells a girl at one point, he's like, you have a way of starting a conversation that ends conversation, which has been stuck in my head for a while, you know, she just can't start the conversation properly, um, you know, saying something that just, you don't even want to respond to, <laughs> um, like I said, I want to talk about some budgets. So this is a uh, $3 million and a half budget, grossed $12 million, and it says from rentals it got $6 million. And it was filmed from July 1965 to September 1965. Uh, just to look at those numbers from back in the day, it's totally different back then. And... Uh, yeah, not really much to give away about Harper. You know, I just want to leave that impression. So hopefully, you know, William Goldman fans will check it out. Paul Newman uh, fans, old school crime drama. Uh, it entertained me all day, basically, this movie. <laughs> oh, man, I could just read the freaking quotes forever. Uh, let me see. You'll be risking the wrath of the sun god. See what I'm saying? That's what he says. Who, Sheriff, who is this clown? Albert Graves. He's a private detective working for us. Lou Harper. Yeah, I used to be a sheriff till I passed my literacy test. Oh, sick burn. Because he's a detective. He's a gumshoe, okay? He's not a sheriff. Anyway. Harper. That was a really good one. Now we can talk about the more contemporary stuff. And I'm going to give a general spoiler warning for this area of the podcast. You know, the, la the later half. <sighs> you know, all potentially all of these films are, are landmine filled with spoiler potential horrible mishaps. I could lose an arm spoiling these movies. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So, Leatherface. Leatherface. It sounds like I'm just saying his name, but I'm talking about the new movie that they released, Lionsgate released. Had to do a little reading about this because it was such a weird approach to the character. This is also the horror section, by the way. This is the horror segment. The, you know, the Leatherface pot. So I got to make the most of this. 
Um, man, the Leatherface, the f- Chainsaw films have sucked so bad for the past forever. Um, uh, you know, we have the first one, yeah, and I hate the Michael Bay produced ones. They're a joke. I don't get it. And the, the you know the biggest thing to me was in the, that remake that pisses off everybody, especially me, is in a, in like a throwaway line. They're like, the Leatherface had a skin condition his whole life. You know, he was bullied. He was made fun of. That's why he wears other people's faces. Some aesthetic choice is why he wears. That's how that feels. Ultimately, it's like you know. Such a weak explanation that is unneeded, and I hear that said about this version. Leatherface is like it's unneeded. It is unneeded, but it wasn't. It was very unneeded before, and it's like since that Pandora's box of explanations has been opened of why Leatherface wears people's faces and chainsaws people, that Pandora's box has to be closed. We have to figure it out or not, you know, I don't know what I'm saying, but it has to happen. Okay. This was inevitable is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Leatherface, this movie comes along and it has to freaking patchwork together, everything back together and lead us back into Texas Chainsaw 1, which is, this is a prequel to, they said, this is a prequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, I guess is a, is a prequel to texas chainsaw 3d and because 3d i guess takes off where the original left off again it seems like they're trying not to deal with those 2004 remakes and that one had its own prequel how convoluted right um this has to happen and then you kind of want to bring it forward and say okay if there's going to be more now they don't have to be about that which i think is liberating um I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, really, because it has to just be, like, experienced. I would say, ultimately, it's a rental. And, uh... It's a one-time rental. <laughs> like, that's fine with me, though. I don't, mi- I don't mind that it's a rental. I think some of the stuff coming out... I don't know if Cult of Chucky qualifies as a rental. I don't know if Jigsaw qualifies as a rental or if i need that character rehabilitated to a point where we can have more jigsaws who cares definitely cannot care i've seen too many of those saw movies to say i give a single fuck about (laughs) more of these damn movies stop (laughs) no one cares leatherface always deserved a little bit more work okay so i mean i don't care how it happens (laughs) put more work into leatherface sure you know so i thought it was fine Rental is what I'm saying. And if you're curious about Harper, that gum-chewing detective from right before I was talking about Leatherface, because I forgot to include <laughs> my rating. But look, I'm still new to this. So if, you'll, if you don't mind, I want to tell you that Harper is a 4 out of 5. <laughs> and the visuals, 7.5. Okay? Really good-looking movie. Don't forget about Harper with Paul Newman. You can watch Leatherface and Harper good combo you know you could do worse you could definitely do worse than leatherface and harper right now we can get to thor ragnarok ragnarok oh sorry um 
So all these all these uh, superhero things happening, you think, ah, I can't go to all of them. I don't want to see all of them. Or do I? Uh, I don't know. I like comic books, but how much? And for how long? Forever? I mean, Thor Ragnarok was was worth going to. The previews were good. After Spider-Man Homecoming came out, I re- which I really liked, I feel like I got to keep going with these superhero movies. Um... It was a good one. Didn't disappoint me. Thor didn't disappoint me either. Really liked Thor. And Black Panther's coming soon too. And I think Black Panther looks great. Star Wars is coming. So it's all part of the same thing with uh, Disney Marvel. And uh, I feel also obligated to watch some of these DC movies. They've suckered me in. Watching some of those. But before I get to DC, stick here on Thor Ragnarok. Directed by Taika Waititi. And... Shot by Javier Aguirre as a robe, which is uh, really nice. I think visually they pulled it off. Sonically, they they pulled it off with the Mark Mothersbaugh and uh, Immigrant Song. Uh, it really carried the whole movie. Kate uh, Blanchett definitely drove me to the theater. Uh, I would you know, some of the gags don't land and stuff, you know, some of it is a lot of sitting around, like, there's, there's too much for me, (laughs) and not enough Idris Elba, you know, not nearly enough, and so much low-key, right, and tons of Hulk, and it's, um, it's still baggy, it's still baggy in parts, uh, I think, uh, Taika brought something completely original to this. Would love to see more more from him in this vein or in any any other type of thing he wants to do. And uh I one of my things that I want from comic book movies is that they're colorful. I actually want that. Uh <laughs> and I think Thor obviously passes that test. I think Civil War does not pass that test. I think Civil War was just people in meeting rooms and hanging out at fucking airports, gray ass airports, battling in the gray. And after Winter Winter Soldier, that made sense. But then it was like, okay, more of this boring. So I like how these movies are becoming more colorful, almost to a detriment with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You know, <laughs> you're almost like, <laughs> but uh, Thor was good. Thor Ragnarok, really fun. The budget of this thing, $180 million. As of November 15th, it's got um, uh, $223 million. Uh, really cool. Now, I compare that to, now, Justice League's budget of $300 million. Hey, I don't think it's going to make that back. We don't know the numbers yet, but mm, I don't know about that. Uh, so Justice League, man, how do I explain this? So obviously I would love this to work. I love Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't think <laughs> Suicide Squad was a mishap. I think it made some cash, and I think it was really colorful, like I said, and it has these, uh, it had Harley Quinn, damn it. It had Margot Robbie. 
and it was really cool. It was just different. I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't want it to make sense and it didn't. And that was pretty satisfying. <laughs> uh, Batman versus Superman, I tolerated. It's too freaking long, too freaking boring, right? I'm not a big Superman fan. Sorry, guys. I don't get the oh all the time, but some of it's fun. Um, so that's where we're at with Justice League. So I don't like Batman versus Superman that much. And I'll tell you, I think Batman versus Superman is better than this Justice League movie. Justice League was pretty disappointing. Uh, I like Flash. You know, that's about all I can say at all. There's like nothing going on here. This is a manufactured. I can't believe the, how poorly this was put together. How little there is for Aquaman, for Alfred, for freaking Gordon. And I'm not a big fan of the new Gordon. I thought we had a great Commissioner Gordon with Gary Oldman. So J.K. Simmons coming in is just like, okay. And I still remember him as Jameson. I still see him as playing Jameson from Spider-Man in this Justice League world as Gordon. And Gordon had nothing to do. There's no reason to have Gordon anyway. Right? Like, this just draws attention to how flawed it is. And the Batcave looks like a, a room in a, in a Tony Stark building. It doesn't feel like a Batcave except when they emphasize that it's like under a lake everything else about it is just like a room that tony stark would set up anywhere <laughs> and yeah and batman bruce wayne ben affleck done with totally done with ben affleck he's a poor man's tony stark here you, you know they make him as unlikable as possible everybody's pretty unlikable though honestly like Wonder Woman is just like, I don't think it's a good idea to do blank. And it's like, why isn't it a good idea? Wonder Woman, just to just to rain on the parade? What's going on? Why? Why? <laughs> and the other thing with how Wonder Woman is portrayed in this movie, it's just, we're looking up her skirt the whole movie. <laughs> like, she's dressed barely and constantly ass shot after ass shot, which is what you know, Suicide Squad gets shit for. And that's the only reason I bring it up. I'm not trying to point that out other than the fact that people are like, wow, you know, we see a lot of Margot Robbie's butt in Suicide Squad. But you're doing the same thing here with Wonder Woman. And it's nothing like the Wonder Woman film. The Wonder Woman film was just so perfectly carefully made, knowing what it is, knowing what it's supposed to do. And this movie is just a total joke. Like a total fucking joke. Ah, uh, that's Justice League. So then, Blade Runner, right? <laughs> How do I talk about Blade Runner? Uh, this thing costs a hundred and fifty mil, and as of November fifteenth, it's got eighty-eight mil and a half in North America. Um, you know, you could go on about you know. Blade Runner, we all remember the original, it was so great, oh my god, and all that stuff, and I love Blade Runner, and I love the idea of, you know, I like Philip K. Dick, and it's too bad about how people don't know how to adapt Philip K. Dick, right? I'm not too impressed with uh, Blade Runner here, it just didn't do much for me, it was very dry, it was kind of like, kind of all obvious to me how some of the stuff was handled. And kind of predictable, not even in a fun way. Like, if you saw the shorts, 
quote shorts about Blade Runner that were released online before the movie. You know, two of those, two of those are frankly just scenes from the movie, you know, shot by a B-unit director. <laughs> and it's like, that's a short. A scene with Jared Leto is a short. And I love how Jared Leto is in this movie. And nobody can really talk shit about it because they love talking shit about Joker. But like with Jared Leto and Blade Runner, it's like, hey, what are you going to do, huh? He's in it for like forever <laughs> with Harrison Ford. <laughs> you can say You can say it's not much, but when it's like the pivotal dialogue in the movie... Jared Leto is like part of the movie. Hey, <laughs> just like that cool ass architecture, beautiful architecture, pretty cool Roger Deacon stuff. <laughs> but he's so long. Why is he so long? Oh, he's so long and boring. <sighs> but uh, I will have to point out one thing. This is really the only reason I'm talking about Blade Runner. I saw this movie called The Night of Something Strange. Because my friends over at Trick or Treat Radio reviewed it. And it was just one of these little indie horror movies. But I noticed in that movie that like every every plot problem was solved by killing a woman. Mostly with a gun in the movie Night of Something Strange. And then in this in, in Blade Runner, I happened to notice... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Most of the freaking <laughs> big moments, or, or plenty plenty of them... Involved just like killing a woman, <laughs> okay, like a woman character, just boom, and that's how like something is resolved. There's, there's definitely I can count on my hand times that that happens, and people would praise you know somebody like a performer in this like Robin Wright who was good, but again I don't know why it had to end the way it does, and there's these bizarre loopholes that like. A bad guy can just do everything. A bad guy can just, you know, control every, you know. Spoilers. So the character, you know, Love, who works for Jared Leto, she's like, uh, she's like Apple's wet dream. It's like the perfect tool. She's like the perfect tool, but she's a slave. And she, like, like a good Apple product, she can do pretty much anything. But to the point where I feel like this is lazy screenwriting. That she can just walk into a police station and kill a freaking detective. It doesn't make any sense. I didn't get any of that. I don't, even, I don't get a lot of these world building things that they're trying to do. Like, I don't get why Harrison's old, etc. Like, and we're still wondering if he's a replicant. If he was built at the time, wouldn't he be subject to the lifespan? And if... Ryan Gosling is running through walls and Harrison Ford is not running through walls. I guess that's telling me explicitly who is a replicant or not. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be fucking thinking about. What am I supposed to be pondering? The movie tells me what I want to know. And it, they have that fight scene that goes on and on. And like, oh, we got to fight for some reason. Oh, you're really strong for a replicant. Like, you're really strong for a human or whatever. Not that that's said. But I don't know what the subtext of that scene is. Okay. <laughs> it's a bunch of nonsense. Quite frankly. <laughs> I'll stick with the original, I guess. So, shout out to Trick or Treat Radio. If you're listening to me and you're not listening to them, you're doing it wrong. Shout out to Mark Kermode. 
because you got to be listening to his show too, right? Or why are you listening to people talk about movies? Go listen to Kermode. And I'm going to try to watch more movies and hopefully get this format done better next time. I'm not rating or or giving ratings to every movie I'm doing. I'm kind of sticking with rating the older movies I'm watching at the moment. Um, of the recent ones, Thor is the better one, of course. Disney wins. Great. Are you all happy? <laughs> Huzzah. <laughs> How about that Valkyrie, hmm? How about Jeff Goldblum, hmm? Mm-hmm. Mm, Jeff Goldblum. Mm. All right, well, we'll see. And au revoir. Mr. Mojo Rising. Got to keep on rising. Rising, rising. Keep on rising, rising.